Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative. to this guy for wisdom. You know, with everything going on in this country that is so dangerous, most of it, of, of course, coming from the Democratic Party side, I'd say 99.9% of it, there's a growing realization that the Founding Fathers were truly, truly brilliant individuals, the way they devised the Constitution. And uh, I've been thinking more and more about one of my favorite speeches from George Washington, his farewell address. Now, remember how remarkable George Washington was. After two terms, he set the precedent by stepping down, by resigning from the presidency. Do you think that had that not been the precedent today that a Barack Obama or a Hillary Clinton or a Joe Biden would willingly, willfully step down from the president? No, I mean, we heard it from Obama. I mean, these people have a uh, the mentality of a dictator. You know, I remember when Barack Obama used to, well, it wasn't really a joke. He was saying it with a wink and a nod that, you know, if the if the Constitution didn't forbid it, you know, uh, of course, he thought he should basically be our 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 Xi, right? Our Xi Jinping, our our own American dictator for life. But I want to lead in with this. You know, last Tuesday, as I told you all, I was in Washington, D.C. Uh, to be there at the book release event for one of uh, my clients uh, at Publius PR, Naomi Wolf. Naomi Wolf, a fascinating, effective voice for liberty. And do you know why? Because she wasn't always on our side. And whether you look at at Christianity, um, this is irregardless of what your religious uh, persuasions are, but who are the greatest advocates for anything, whether it's uh, politics, whether it's a religion? They are people uh, like uh, Paul, right? The Apostle Paul. He was a persecutor of Jews. And look what he did for the church, for Christianity. He was a convert to Christianity. Ronald Reagan, a convert from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party. Look at what he did for conservatism. And Naomi Wolf is is very similar in the sense that, look, she was a... uh, uh, not an aide, but an advisor, I believe, to Bill Clinton. She was she was firmly ensconced in the Democratic Party, an original femi- feminist, and so on and so forth. And um, in her book, which I think is so effective, is is the way she not only addresses things factually as a journalist, which she is an acclaimed journalist, talking about uh, what went on behind the scenes, how the lockdowns and the pandemic was used to transform our society, our minds, our relationship with the government. Uh, getting into the manipulation, into those who benefited from it, the social media companies, of course, the government. Uh, they, 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 they were the, the winners in this while we were the losers. And she, she has many, many anecdotal stories throughout the book that are personal. Because, as I mentioned before, like many of us, 15 days to slow the spread we thought was reasonable, agreeable. We were all scared. We didn't know what awaited us. There wasn't data to back up anything. So in many ways, because there was a lack of data and we were only using modeling. Remember, it was modeling data, right, out of the Imperial College study in London. 
that was used to justify the lockdowns. 2.2 million Americans were going to die imminently if we did not shut down the economy. And, and that was a model, which means it wasn't based on anything real. It was just data points that were put in a system that put out, basically gave you whatever information, whatever result, it was dependent upon the data you put in, right? So that's not accurate at all. You can make it say anything you want. But Naomi Wolf, um, uh, she, she was not a, a some, some firm uh, opponent of the lockdowns in the beginning. She was actually, like many of us, thought they're reasonable. And as time went on, she opened her eyes. She saw what was going on. She realized the manipulation and what was happening, and she became an advocate of it. And what happened to her? She was once a darling of CNN, a darling of the left, and they have completely disowned her. Um, tomorrow we'll find out if her, her book is a New York Times bestseller or not. But it's already been a number one at Barnes & Noble, and it's doing very, very well. <clears throat> Pardon me. Now, I want to get into something here. There are a few themes. One, one, I want to address what I call the authoritarian playbook to seize our liberty. They used it with COVID. They're using it now uh, with the Second Amendment and so on and so forth. But uh, back to the brilliance of the founders. And, and I, I mention this because the Democrats right now, they're always attacking the country, right? If you notice, by the way, People have warned about this for a long time. When they were tearing down statues of, of General Lee, uh, you know, they even came from Abraham Lincoln for Abraham Lincoln. It was never about trying to uh, oppose slavery or oppose what may have happened in, the, in this country. It's about the erasure of American history completely. You know, it always starts with something that they, they claim to be reasonable. Well, you know, General Lee, he was a Confederate general, and... A, a proponent of slavery. So this guy's horrible. He's making people uncomfortable. Uh, so we're going to tear down that statue. It never stops there. That's just the gateway, as is always the case. Their goals and, and ambitions are always well beyond that, but they have to start small. And once they open the door, uh, that opens up the floodgates and they do not stop. That's what happened with 15 days. Uh, you know, 15 days, reasonable. Just 15 days, give up your liberty and we'll give it back. And then it goes on for two years. It doesn't stop. And actually, in Sacramento right now in the school district, they are remasking the children. They're bringing it back incrementally. COVID hasn't really gone away. It's, it's been in the rearview mirror for a time. Uh, it's been replaced by other issues the Democrats are hoping to capitalize on to retain power come the midterm elections because this administration is not only disgraceful, it's the most dangerous we've had in American history. Now, George Washington, he warned that our nation would be vulnerable in his farewell address to internal enemies. I want to use some pull quotes from that speech. Uh, I believe it was initially the first draft written perhaps by James Madison, and then Alexander Hamilton came in before he delivered it uh, and did some rewrites. And the first quote I want, to, I want to present you with is this, the name of American must always exalt the just pride of patriotism, more than any appellation derived from local discriminations, right? He's talking about unity, about what unites us is far greater than what divides us. Now, everywhere you look in the society, you can see the attempts, many of them successful, to do this, to, to do what? How many holidays in the year do we have that celebrate Americanism, that celebrate us as a country, that unite us? Well, maybe July 4th. Uh, maybe Memorial Day here and there. There's a day here and there splattered throughout the country, right? 
But what do we have entire months dedicated to Black History Month? Right now, we're in the midst of uh, a Gay Pride Month or something like that, I believe, is, is what the month of June is wholly dedicated to and towards. Um, it's always, always about focusing on those things that, you know, exclude certain individuals from society to divide society. And so we're never united. We're never, we're never embracing one another. It's always about highlighting the differences, right? Divide and conquer. That's the game of politics. And George Washington talked about that. Now, I want to read something else. It's a little bit longer. With my uh, brilliant voice and theatrical training, I will keep you firmly engaged as I read it. George Washington wrote, because he wrote this, right? They didn't actually give, he didn't give a speech. It was given to newspapers. Everyone read it across the country because it was a different time period. We didn't have radio and TV. So he wrote towards the preservation of your government and the permanency of your present happy state. It is requisite not only that you steadily discountenance irregular oppositions to its acknowledged authority, but also that you resist with care the spirit of innovation upon its principles, however specious the pretext, right? So the idea is that, look, we have given you this, this great gift, the Constitution, we have studied all of mankind's history under tyrants and dictators, and we have given you what we believe is the most free country, <clears throat> the safest, the most uh, blissful country in the history of the world. So don't screw it up. So it's a balance, right? You've got to have a government, but you also have to manage the government and make sure that it doesn't go towards a tyrannical regime, the very thing they fought against. So, make sure that you resist the spirit of innovation upon its principles. So, what would that be? We're hearing that now as the January 6th committee is gearing up for a bunch of public hearings, the first hearings. They're going to put on a spectacle. Uh, they're going to try and drum up a bunch of hatred towards Trump. They have nothing else. This is how shallow and worthless and useless and vapid the Democratic Party is. Of course, they don't want Americans focused on all the issues that actually impact us on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, when's the last time you thought about the J6 lie, insurrection? Does that affect any of you? No. Inflation does, gas prices. All of those things are hurting Americans, and the Democrats don't have a solution. Because their intention is to exacerbate it. Their intention is to use these crises, just like they use uh, the pandemic, just like they use the, the shootings to come after the Second Amendment, right? Crisis after crisis that they take advantage of seize upon the opportunity to push their agenda. Only their agenda. They present the solution. It's not a real solution. It's going to make it worse. But they present their solution, the authoritarian solution. And then they denounce, discredit anyone who questions them, who points out the idiocy of it, and who speaks truth. And what they're doing right now with January 6th is they're also using it to attack the way we vote in this country. We are not a, di a direct democracy in the United States of America. We're not. You know, this is the big lie that we're a direct democracy, right? A plurality of votes determines the president of the United States. That's not wh how we do it. And every country that's ever done it that way 
goes down in flames. What we have is a republic. A republic. Um, and I'll get into that in just a minute. But, but they're using this to go after uh, the way we vote. So this is the system, right? This is the system. Uh, the system that we have is, uh, is representative. So, you know, every state, for example, has two senators. Now, if you used it based on population, states with a million people compared to the tens of millions in other states, like a California or New York, well, Montana wouldn't even have representation. But every state gets two senators. And it's the same this way. If you determined elections based on a majority of voters, California and New York would essentially determine every presidential candidate, which leaves out 48 other states and their ability to be represented in our government. That's not fair. It's, it's always been about states' rights. See, the genius of the Founding Fathers was to see ahead and understand that in a country of now over 320 million people, we're not going to agree on everything. So the idea was that the federal government was never supposed to be a behemoth dictating to all, well, now 50 states, how they were all going to do things in a uniform manner. You can go into this with abortion or anything else, right? States have the right to determine to be sovereign. That's the point. We have a national government, which is necessary, most importantly, to defend the country, right? To have an army, and so on and so forth. But that's what they're trying to do, right? They're trying to impair the system. Uh, they're trying to use the system against against us to bring down the system, right? Joe Biden says, you know, we have to take your rights so that you have rights. That's essentially what they say. That's outrageous. Now, I was in the room with Peter Navarro uh, last Tuesday. He was there at the Naomi Wolf book event. And the reason I bring this up is because two or three days later, he was arrested. I was in the room with a man. And the guy, by the way, he worked in the Trump administration. I believe he was just a trade advisor. He was a trade advisor. So he had contact, and there's something called executive privilege, right? What is executive privilege? You know, the American people don't need to be privy to every single conversation that takes place with the president of the United States, every communication. In fact, that's dangerous. Just like you have private text messages with your friends, with your family, let's relate it to your executive privilege as a human being, an autonomous person with rights in this country. Do I have a right or reason to have access to every correspondence you have, email, everything else? No, absolutely not. And it's the same thing with the President of the United States. Now, what happened with Peter Navarro, um, the way this works, the January 6th committee, this is an abuse of power, an abuse of the system. This is why I talk about impairing the system, abusing the system. Peter Navarro worked in the Trump administration. Now, the January 6th committee is on their witch hunt, right? I mean, Trump was already impeached for supposedly inciting an insurrection, which was nonsense from the beginning. It was a concocted fiction by the media and the Democratic Party to prevent Trump from ever running again, to punish their political opponents, to stop Republicans from fundraising, from stepping forward, to basically silence and censor, self-censor the political opponents. Because the message is, if you're associated with Trump, if you're a supporter of Trump, look what we can do to you. So they subpoenaed, the committee did, they subpoenaed Peter Navarro. They wanted all communications between him and Donald Trump. Now, he's arguing that he has executive privilege. 
which is true. There's a constitutional case for that. But they subpoenaed him, and they have the power to do that. So a subpoena is simply them demanding that that individual shows up to testify before the committee with the documents they requested in hand. And he said, no way, Jose, I'm not doing it. So what they did is they then referred this because the Congress and these committees don't have the ability to indict in this manner. We're not talking about impeachment here. We're talking about the subpoena power. So if someone says no, they can refer that for criminal prosecution to the attorney, right? To Merrick Garland, the attorney general's office. And then they can decide what to do. Now, when it came to, uh, do you remember the Fast and Furious operation? That was the operation conducted from 2009 to 2011. That's when law enforcement agents, this was the brilliant plan of the uh, Obama regime that got people killed. An American Border Patrol agent, for example. So they let drug runners smuggle 2,000 AK-47s and other guns into Mexico. They let this happen. They watched it happen. They wanted it to happen. They, they, they allowed this. It's kind of like what they did with the Whitmer kidnapping case, right? The FBI got involved, and they basically tried to set up this group and encourage them to hatch this kidnapping plot. But it wasn't even the plan of this organization. FBI agents told them to do it rose to the ranks of this organization in order to try and create this this narrative of these crazy Trump supporters, these crazy right-wingers who hatched a kidnapping plot. But the FBI was the one who hatched the plot, and they planted the evidence, et cetera, and tried to make this happen. Same thing here. You know, whether it's Iran-Contra or whatever else, right? I mean, that, that, that Reagan got in trouble with, right? When he said he didn't know. But essentially, you know, we were, we were uh, exchanging arms um, you know, for our imprisoned American citizens. So, so this brilliant Fast and Furious operation, which was disastrous, so they, they gave these guns, allowed these guns to be smuggled in Mexico because they were hoping, they said, to track them to drug cartel figures. So they're using these guns to try and get to the cartel figures, the leaders. But these weapons wound up being used in drug-related killings along the border. Now, Attorney General Eric Holder was uh, part of this. And he, the, 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 the Congress, the Republicans there, uh, Daryl Issa, I believe, was one of them. Um, who was the other one? Who was the other one? There were, there were a few Republicans. Jim Jordan might have been involved as well. But they subpoenaed Eric Holder. They wanted the documents related to Fast and Furious to get to the bottom of this, how it went wrong. Now, Obama permitted Eric Holder to assert his executive privilege on Fast and Furious. And so now, Peter Navarro, they're saying, can't assert executive privilege, which he wasn't even involved with January 6th in any way. Trump wasn't involved with it, but it's the witch hunt. So in this case, in that case, the Justice Department, basically, you know, Eric Holder in many ways was being asked to prosecute himself. It wasn't going to happen. And so the administration stood in the way of that. Now, Peter Navarro, who's done nothing wrong, He's been subpoenaed. He said no, just like Eric Holder did. Eric Holder was held in contempt, just like Peter Navarro is being held in contempt because he's not obeying what the committee's asking for. But because you have a corrupt administration here, this went to a a judge uh, out of Washington, D.C., and he's actually a, a Biden... 
He was confirmed in the Senate, but he was re- recommended, right? He was he was put forward by Biden himself. And last October, uh, this this individual took over the office. But so so they they referred this Peter Navarro situation, these, this contempt charge, to the Justice Department, and they assembled a grand jury. They assembled a grand jury, uh, which is look a grand jury. This is a. a basically a prosecution conducted in secrecy away from the public eye and it's a prosecutor's dream by the way uh, grand juries are prosecutor friendly because there's no defense there's no cross-examination so what happens is they gather a bunch of democratic voters behind closed doors this is the grand jury and they have a democratic judge and a democratic prosecutor and they put whatever information they want in front of the jury and so the grand juries are not adversarial, non-adversarial, they're called. So it's one-sided. And grand juries usually return indictments. It's, they call it a rubber stamp process, right? This is what the Democrats want by stacking the Supreme Court, right? They want to rubber stamp all their cases. That's why they want to stack the Supreme Court with a bunch of liberal justices so that the Republicans are in a minority, or I shouldn't even call them Republicans because it should be apolitical, but the originalists who actually believe in the Constitution and understand their role as judges to actually rule based on the Constitution itself, well, they want to eliminate that and stack it with Supreme Court justices. By the way, this is another example of what Washington warned about, stacking the Supreme Court. Can they do it? Yes. But it's a way of using the system, right? Impairing the system um, and destroying the system. So... You can imagine how dangerous this is, right? So if the Republicans in 2024 have a Republican president, Republican Justice Department, obviously, and a Republican Congress, they can set up a committee. They can set up a committee. They can make up a false allegation if they want, because January 6th is a false allegation. Donald Trump did not incite an insurrection. Now, whether the Republican, I mean, we have many real things we could actually use to investigate as well, uh, Joe Biden's corruption and so on and so forth. But let's say we play like the Democrats and we don't even use something real. We just fabricate something. Let's say we go back to 2016 and we say, yep, we're investigating you for inciting an insurrection because Hillary Clinton questioned the results of the 2016 election. And they could subpoena Hillary Clinton. They can subpoena uh, anybody associated with her. They can subpoena Nancy Pelosi. And if Nancy Pelosi doesn't show up to the hearing, They can then refer that to the Justice Department. The Justice Department could then have a judge, a friendly Republican judge, assemble a grand jury, and they can get indictments. That's how this works. So it's not unconstitutional what they're doing, but it's corrupt. It's amoral, and it's dangerous. Now, here's the deal. There was an NBC poll conducted last month, and you know what the takeaway is? This is highlighted by NBC News, by the way. Less Americans now blame former President Donald Trump for the Capitol riot. So nobody cares about this. Of course they don't. They care about inflation. They care about the economy. I mean, I have talked to so many people of retirement age right now. And, I mean, their immune systems are suffering. They're getting sick because they're looking at the stock market. They're looking at everything they've built for themselves in terms of financial security, their entire lives being uh, whittled away by this Biden inflation, this Biden economy. 
But back to um, back to uh, the the George Washington farewell address. So one method of assault may be to effect in the forms of the Constitution alterations which will impair the energy of the system and thus to undermine what cannot be directly overthrown. You see what they're doing? You know, in some ways, they're not even going about this constitutionally. You know, when it comes to the Second Amendment, for example, like, look, they could use, they could use the amendment process, which is a long, difficult process to achieve, right? We haven't had a new amendment in a very long time because it involves the states, it involves Congress, it involves... Uh, a, a lot of agreement to get that done by design. The Democrats don't like that. That's why they hate the Constitution. The Constitution prevents dictators from easily becoming Justin Trudeau's, easily taking over this country and dissolving it into a totalitarian country. And so they already chip away at this, right? So with the Second Amendment, right? They ban certain guns. They change the age uh, 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 buying firearms. Now, they can do that part legally, I suppose, right? But when it comes to not infringing upon our, our right to bear arms, they can't do it. If they want to say you, you can have 11 bullets, but not, you can have 11 bullets, but not 12, that's not constitutional. None of that is. Um, but this is what they do. And this is why they're trying to destroy the Electoral College. That's why they don't want it to exist anymore. And the January 6th committee is up to no good with this. Now, let me read you something from the New York Times because they've said what their intentions are, all right? Um, Let me see here. I'm with you. I'm with you, baby. Uh, Okay. So, the New York Times reported this. Look, this is the thing that's crazy to me about the American people right now. I don't, I mean, not you listening to me. You're, you're amongst the most brilliant Americans, most informed Americans in the history of America. But a lot of Americans, it's, it's crazy because they act like what I'm saying is conspiratorial, but I'm reading from the New York Times, right? So with their control of Congress hanging in the balance, Democrats plan to use made-for-television moments and a carefully choreographed rollout of revelations over the course of six hearings to persuade voters that the upcoming that the coming midterm elections are a chance to hold Republicans accountable for it. There they go. They're scared. They know they're going to get shellacked in the midterms, and so they're using a made-for-television moment. Do you understand what that admission is? It's a made-for-television moment. They're acknowledging that they're a bunch of Hollywood screenwriters manipulating people via the television set and the media choreographing this, right? It's like a rehearsal. It's a performance to try and get people to care about January 6th because you know what they want? They are so pathetic, as I was saying before, so vapid that they still are hoping that what they're going to run on in the midterms is anti-Trump. That's all that worked for them, right? Gin up hatred of Donald Trump and his supporters. But Donald Trump's not president. It's not even close to 2024 yet, so it's too far out to make Trump an issue of this campaign. And if they do this, it's going to fail. They're so desperate, so blind, because they, what, what, what alternative and option do the Democrats actually have? They don't have any. Because all of the, the pain and suffering is by design. It's by design. They're making excuses. I mean, you've got 
so many things to him. I mean, in the name of inflation, by the way, Biden is pushing lifting tariffs with China. So he's Beijing Biden here is actually undoing Trump's tariffs, which were leveling the playing field and punishing China. And so Biden's going to come to China's aid. And, you know, these experts out there on all of this, they are saying and warning that if he does this, if Biden lifts these tariffs, it's going to forever turn the tide of competition in China's favor. Because remember, it wasn't that long ago that China couldn't even get a missile off the ground. They didn't have anything. They stole everything from us and we gave them the technology. We created China. They were a third world hellhole dictatorship communist place before us. And what China's done, which is so shocking, is that basically, you know, China has introduced elements of capitalism to become more successful, more competitive. And what the the uh, what the United States of America has done under the leadership mainly of Democrats is that we have introduced communist Marxist elements into our free capitalist society to make ourselves weaker. It's in, it's incredible. So we are building up China and making them a superpower while we are diminishing our own power by design intentionally so that we are no longer a superpower. It's outrageous. So the New York Times goes on, though. When these hearings are over, voters will know how irresponsibly complicit Republicans were in attempting to toss out their votes and just how far Republicans will go to gain power for themselves. You know, it's gaslighting. It's projection. Uh, Republicans trying to gain power for themselves. Look, these people are assaulting the system to retain power, to ensure that they have power forever in perpetuity. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take one short break. I'm going to get back. I want to hit the Electoral College. I want to explain this because I think it's very important understanding it because going forward, we're going to see more and more assaults on it. We've got to arm ourselves uh, with the truth. All right, this is Jarrell, and I'll be right back. All right, I'm going to get back to my theme, and I really want to talk about, too, explaining this authoritarian guide to seizing our rights. I'm going to do it in a minute, but there's a couple of breaking things that happened, um, well, while I've been doing this this particular broadcast. Uh, one is they drug out Matthew McConaughey. Uh, his um, future ambitions to become the governor of Texas just went up in flames. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, I mean, he just grandstanded, I guess, uh, you know, Jean-Pierre there, What's her name? Kareem, the replacement for uh, uh, Peppermint Patty there. We got to think of a good nickname. If you got a good nickname, by the way, for Kareem Jean-Pierre, uh, shoot me that email. You know, go to drewallen.substack.com. Subscribe also, by the way, uh, as well. But but you, you contact me through there and let me know a good nickname. I would love to spend uh, two minutes on the next show... <laughs> Using what you've given me. You know, you can, you can be a part of this show. Uh, also, by the way, while I plug it, uh, if you haven't already and you've been listening to me for some time, do me a favor. And I don't ask for many favors. Go over to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, The Drew Allen Show, and give me that five stars. So, uh, all right, that's, uh, that's done. So, firstly, 
they drag they drug drug up Matthew McConaughey. He showed up in D.C. there at the press conference about gun control, and guess what? He's now lobbying for what they call common sense gun control. Now, this is what my article was focused on, by the way, that said American greatness today. Um, this is, you know, the 15 days to slow the spread, right? They present some reasonable demand to try and coax the American citizen into giving up a portion of their liberty, which they have, the tyrants that is, every intention of exploiting, extending until they take it all away. 15 days became two years. It's still not giving up, as I just told you. Sacramento, they are masking and abusing our children again. So, so, uh, well, I was going to go off on another. Well, I guess it's related. So Matthew McConaughey comes out, does his grandstanding. I mean, who cares what Matthew McConaughey has to say, honestly? And he's such a fool just standing up there. I mean, what is he trying to, to do? Is he trying to, to start his political career there? We've heard it from the Biden administration, and now what, Matthew McConaughey? You know, it's not convincing enough when Joe Biden and the rest of the Democrats demand gun control, but Matthew McConaughey, so powerful and influential as Matthew McConaughey, that now suddenly he's going to persuade all Americans to give up their Second Amendment right? I don't think so. I am so tired of this celebrity culture. These are typically the dumbest Americans in our society. I'm very serious. They have a skill set. Maybe they're attractive. Maybe they look good on camera. Maybe they're good actors. But that's what all of these Democrats are. They are actors, reading scripts. That's what the media is, reading scripts, talking points. They're all actors. That's what this January 6th garbage is going to be throughout the rest of this week and going into midterm elections. A bunch of actors putting on a performance that is not real. They don't have a lucid thought amongst them, all of them, not two brain cells to rub together, they're just going to spit out talking points without backing them up, without being questioned, without the data that actually undermines. Here's another point. You know, with COVID, because it was unprecedented, right, you know, there wasn't any data. And so that lack of data actually helped uh, justify their demands in the minds of Americans, right, to actually go along with this unprecedented seizure of our liberty. That's what was really unprecedented about the pandemic. Not the virus. Not the virus. It was the unprecedented use of it, weaponization of it, to assail, to assault our liberties. That's what was unprecedented about it. But there he goes proposing uh, this garbage and do not fall for it. 15 days in this case is quote-unquote assault rifles. There's no such thing as an assault rifle. They're all semi-automatic weapons. Some of them look like military guns. The AR-15, this is one of the, the most astounding things that they that's perpetrated as a lie amongst the American people. AR-15, assault rifle, because it's AR. Armalite is the manufacturer. AR stands for Armalite, not assault rifle. And there are nearly three times as many knives... There, there, sorry, there are, are nearly three times as many murders using knives than there are rifles, but they're going after rifles. How about handguns? Far more deaths by handguns. And that, most of those deaths are happening in Democrat-run cities with the tightest, strictest gun control in the country. They propose red flag laws, right? Nationally. And yet New York, where they had those very red flag laws they're proposing nationally, nationwide, failed to present 
failed to prevent the Buffalo murderer from carrying out that atrocious, heinous crime, killing those poor, innocent Americans. So none of these things, I mean, think about how ludicrous this is. We have a law on the books, right? Do not murder. It's illegal and unlawful to murder. Obviously, criminals don't care because they're carrying out murder. So if you tell them that it's illegal to buy a quote-unquote assault rifle, suddenly that's going to prevent them from getting it? Well, you know, I know it's illegal to, pre- pre- to, to commit murder, but I don't care about that law. But they're banning guns, so now, yeah, that's right. I'm going to abide by that law. Think about how stupid it is. But this is what they do, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, trying to convince you. And here, here it is. We are going to get into it, actually. And then I'll get into this other story. So here's the playbook, right? Whether it's climate change or COVID, the pandemic, whether it's the recent assault on the Second Amendment. The Democrats or the totalitarians, they either use a crisis or create a crisis, manufacture a crisis, right? So the pandemic climate change, right? It's a threat to mankind. It's dangerous. It's getting people killed. And then they present a solution, but it's the authoritarian solution. Remember, remember the pandemic, the cure can't be worse than the disease. And there are dozens of studies now that prove that the lockdowns, the draconian uh, measures and mandates, all of it was more harmful and actually caused more death than had we not locked down to begin with. But what did they do? When anyone stepped forward during the pandemic to say that lockdowns weren't a good idea, to point out that we never put masks on our faces before for respiratory airborne diseases, when legitimate doctors from Harvard and Stanford that had distinguished careers, who were giants in their fields, stepped forward and spoke out against the only chosen, selected, totalitarian narrative of lockdowns, what did they do? They discredited them. They attacked them. They used the media to try and destroy them and prevent them from speaking out. They censored people who said hydroxychloroquine and zinc were effective treatments. And we learned later those were effective treatments. But they only wanted one solution. Same thing with guns, right? So we have a gun violence pandemic now. All right? We've got to save lives. So the Democrats promote gun control, gun control of law-abiding American citizens. That's their authoritarian solution. And other people step forward and say, we need to harden our schools. We need to expand the uh, ability to have an open carry, to arm law-abiding American citizens to be in places if the police can't show up, to defend our children, defend innocent Americans. We call out the fact that all of these proposals are not going to stop criminals from committing violence. But what do they do? They discredit us. They attack us because they can't have any solution acceptable except their solution, which is towards authoritarianism. And they use fear and the media to demand action, right? So step by step, they identify crisis. They use the media to spread fear and hysteria to demand action. They present one solution, their solution. And then they use the media, they bully They discredit anyone else who has a better solution out there. Rinse, repeat. That's what's going on here. That is the authoritarian guide. But they always come at you with common sense, right? 15 days to slow the spread. Common sense gun control, right? The planet won't be here if we don't take action now, right? It's always hysterical. And it it denies reality. 
because the data for gun control actually undermines what they're demanding. It proves that it is ineffective. It's going to be harmful, but that's what they do. All right, here's a story from a Washington Examiner. Biden issues heightened terrorism warning ahead of abortion ruling. Oh my! I thought that white supremacists were the greatest threat to our country uh, since the Civil War, to democracy. I thought it was Trump supporters. Now, who is it that's going to be a terrorism threat in the wake of the imminent abortion ruling, which is going to overturn Roe v. Wade? The Department of Homeland Security has issued a heightened terrorism advisory ahead of the Supreme Court's expected reversal of the nation's landmark abortion rights ruling. Now, this is uh, really looking like uh, the real terrorism threat in this country is coming from the left. Is it not? Like BLM, that was a terrorism threat. So they're telling us to expect the environment. And when they say to expect a threat, they are saying a threat's coming. They are actually going to be responsible for fomenting this threat, right? Do you think the media is going to be telling people to calm down after the activist groups that are funded, that are organized by George Soros and other big Democratic Party donors, totalitarians out there? These are always organized groups. BLM, an organized group, a terrorist arm of the Democratic Party. So they are issuing an advisory that is warning of potential domestic violence, right? Um, and uh, by the way, let me, let me read some of this to you. Um, this is a great article. The Biden administration issued a similar bulletin warning of increased domestic terrorism threats heading into the summer of 2021. But Tuesday's announcement specifically claims the forthcoming high-profile Dobbs v. Jackson Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization ruling is prompting individuals who advocate both for and against abortion to call for violence. Now, why would advocates that are against abortion um, be violently protesting for a ruling that is favorable to what they want? Do you see how they do this? You know, this is amazing. If you remember Joe Biden and the Democrat lied during the 2020-2020 debates saying that Trump, uh, in the wake of, of uh, the violence that took place in, uh, what was it, was it Virginia there? Or, uh, you know, there, there are very good people on both, uh, Charlton, Charleston, Charleston, South Carolina, no, Charleston, Virginia, Virginia, it was in Virginia. But remember that, that, that broke out. You had the, the uh, far right and the far left there that were always going to get into trouble. But there were people there who were also, this was about the, the Lee statue being torn down. People didn't want it. Some people did. And he said there are very fine people on both sides, talking about Democrats who are peaceful, Republicans who are peaceful. And they took that out of context, lied about it, and said that he was saying that the far-right extremists who were violent, that they were very fine people. Now, now here you have the Biden administration saying that there are terrible people on both sides. Terrible people for both on both sides here. So they, they say that they're, 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 they're warning of, of both sides calling for violence, including against government, religious, and reproductive health care personnel. This isn't a movement from the right. This is what the right's been fighting for. The pro-life movement's been fighting for. So in the coming months, they write, we expect the threat environment to become more dynamic as several high-profile events could be exploited to justify acts of violence 
against a range of possible targets. These targets could include public gatherings, faith-based institutions, schools, racial and religious minorities, government facilities, personnel, critical infrastructure, blah, blah, blah. Threat actors have recently mobilized to violence due to factors such as personal grievances, reactions to current events, and adherence to violent extremist ideology. You know, this is all far-left extremist ideology. The radical pro-abortion component of the Democratic Party. So, this is amazing. They're coming out and admitting and, and predicting there's going to be violence erupting from the left. Violent extremist ideologies. What were we told after Buffalo? That was a white supremacist who was also indoctrinated by many beliefs of the far left. The environmental wackos and so on and so forth. He was a, basically a Marxist communist socialist, which are not far right ideologies. The only thing was he was a white supremacist. And they said that Republicans were responsible for that murder because he was a white supremacist, and that's a far-right ideology. Well, here we have a bunch of violent extremist ideologies that are all on the left, and they are openly saying, get ready, get ready. So get ready for it, I guess. You know, we're going to have another summer of love, and it's going to be BLM 2.0, and the Democrats are going to exploit it again for their political gain. But I don't see it working, just like the defund the police movement, uh, was a failure for the left. They tried to then say that was a, a far-right movement. I mean, it's just, it's insane. Insane what these 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 people are, are doing and advocating for. Um, so, I want to get back and circle back, if we will, to what happened with, uh, with Peter Navarro here. Um, I, I, I can't, for the life of me, think... I mean, I guess the Democrats are just so desperate that they, they have convinced themselves that somehow this political theater is going to benefit them politically. I, I, I just... I really, really don't see that, that working at all. Um, and what this January 6th thing is about, again, we're going to do two things before I close out. I want to hit... January 6th and close out so you understand what's going on here. And then I want to I talk about what they're trying to do to undo the Electoral College, okay? Now, Jim Acosta is worried that Trump's going to be allowed to run in 2024. Um, are you worried Trump will be let off the hook, Acosta asked former D.C. Metropolitan Police Officer and CNN analyst Michael Fanone. This is the guy, Fanone, who is such a corrupt loser uh, he claimed PTSD because he was there on the ground in January 6th and he might have uh, fallen down and scraped his knee or something like that. And so now, of course, he's been heralded as some hero, brought into the CNN newsroom. And so going to get off scot-free and all this is what he's asking about Trump. Trump didn't do any of this. Trump didn't incite any insurrection. But this is the, the precursor, right? This is the introduction to the week. They're making this about Trump, Right. January 6th, they're, they're trying to lay the groundwork that, just like they did, you know, uh, with the lie of, of, of Trump-Russia collusion, this is Trump-Russia collusion 2.0. So Trump's guilty, they're saying, even though he was already found not guilty after an impeachment, and they're saying, they're preparing, because they don't have the goods, right? Just like they didn't have the goods with Trump-Russia collusion. They lied and lied and lied for years and years, promising, right? You had all the Democrats coming out there, pencil neck shift. I've seen evidence. Trump's going to be guilty. He colluded with Putin to steal the election. And then what? A big nothing burger. Same thing here. They don't have the goods. 
There's nothing to prove that Trump incited an insurrection. But here we go again. The same stinking playbook. Now, you've got some new people stepping up in the Democratic Party. Surprisingly, it's not Adam Schiff. Uh, You've got Jamie Raskin. He's a, a congressman Democrat out of Maryland. He is a radical, radical person, a dangerous individual, but he represents Maryland's 8th district. Now, last Monday, or what's today? Yeah, this, this Monday, he told the Washington Post Live that this week's hearings, right? He's telling you what you're going to hear, right? They, they've got this all wrapped up. They've got their narrative, and the media is going to force it down your throats and overwhelm you with BS. So Raskin said, this week's hearings will tell, I quote, the story of a conspiracy to overturn the 2020 presidential election and block the transfer of power. Asked if Trump is at the center of the conspiracy, Raskin said, I think that Donald Trump and the White House were at the center of these events. Now, that's the narrative. That's what they're trying to prove, but they can't. So they're hoping that there's no presumption of innocence, right? Guilty forever. Guilty even after proven innocent is the way these people operate. Now, to go back all the way to what I was talking about with the juxtaposition of what happened to, for example, um, Peter Navarro, and that absolute abuse of power, arresting him publicly as he got on a plane, they could have just gone to his house, they could have sent his lawyer a memo, but no, they did it publicly to get attention going into this, this week's events, to make it look like the guy is a big crook. That's how they operate, trying to destroy, intimidate, and all the rest. But you have this, right? Donald Trump, White House, center of these events. Not true. Can't find it. They've been investigating this since January. But in the case of Fast and Furious, Obama was at the center of that, right? It was his White House's plan to put these guns into the hands of violent drug cartels and criminals that were then used to kill innocent Americans and other people. But when they were trying to investigate and get to Obama, right, that was the goal ultimately, to tie it back to Obama, Obama intervened, gave executive privilege, allowed Eric Holder to exert executive privilege, and so we never got to the bottom of it. But here we have something fabricated that they are determined to get to the bottom of. So here, here's the key, though. Raskin says, however, that people are going to have to make judgments themselves about the relative role that different people played. You know why they're saying that? Because they're not going to get anything. Because none of it's true. And so what he's saying is, this isn't going to go anywhere. But just like Trump-Russia collusion, even after Mueller came out and said there was no evidence of Trump-Russia collusion, people still must believe there was. Don't believe the facts. Even though we're going to come up with nothing here, decide for yourselves that he is actually guilty instead. And so now they're using this to go after the Electoral College. All right? And I think this is, and I'm hopeful this is going to destroy the Democratic Party because they're not focused on anything, any issues Americans actually care about. They just want to make the midterms a referendum on Trump, and ah, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. They don't have that potency. Trump is not a threat right now, and I don't think there's any way to convince Americans that he is because he's not running for office right now. This is all they have. Biden's such an epic failure that they're still trying to get people to vote in the midterms as a vote against Trump. In some ways, it's hilarious. It's also pathetic. 
So let me see if I can find what I had here. I was going to tell you some info. Um, by the way, the guy that got Peter Navarro, I wanted to mention before, his name's Matthew Graves. He's a Biden nominee. He was appointed to be the U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia. And he's been there since October of last year. The Senate confirmed him. Confirmed him. Um, all right, one sec here. So, so obviously, you know, lockdowns, mail-in ballots, that's all part of the uh, design of the Democratic Party to get rid of free and fair elections. Look, if they could just straight up abolish them, they would, but they can't. So they're trying to be clever about it. Mail-in ballots, that's part of it, unsolicited. Um, bringing, in, bringing in an influx of illegal aliens who they hope can vote as well, right? Because, look, here's the thing with mail-in ballots. If you have an address, if you register to vote, in all these blue states, by the way, you know, you don't have to be a citizen to get a driver's license, right? And even New York in local elections has, has permitted illegals to vote in the elections. So locally, they're getting rid of, um, uh, of voting completely by doing this. And so this is what they're doing with bringing these illegals in. Now, now obviously, the ultimate goal would be to make them citizens, right? Give them amnesty and make them Democratic voters, right? They'll give them our taxpayer dollars, give them freebies, and, and make them beholden to the Democratic Party, make them new Democrat victims. But, you know, that's not happening right now. So they're still focused on every option they have, potentially, to get rid of free and fair elections. And the way they're doing that here is to try and attack the Electoral College as well. Now, uh, what I wanted to say about this is that we're a representative republic, not a direct democracy, which protects state sovereignty, right? So it allows Montanans to have a say in the government, right? California's not telling Montana what's best for them. It's not decided. Elections aren't decided by the general population. This is federalism. Now, many Americans misunderstand federalism, right? It has the opposite meaning that you actually think. Federalism, federal government. No, federalism is about states' rights. And like I was saying before, this is why every state has two senators. It's about equal representation. Because as I pointed out, Montana might not have any senators. If you went by simply a, a, a numerical population vote, for assigning senators. So everybody has the same representation in the Senate. Now, the House of Representatives is different. And the reason you have the Electoral College is so that campaigns, for example, also wouldn't be just national. So you don't have presidents that are only going to campaign in New York and, you know, California in the big city centers appealing to uh, what the, the most densely populated areas are, they actually have to listen to the rest of the country and implement policies or assure them that they're going to do things that represent them as well. And if you look at the 2016 election, for example, Hillary Clinton got what, like 2 million more votes than Trump? And, and notice, the, the Democrats are trying to spread this idea out there that we need a direct democracy, that it's unfair that the person who gets the majority of votes isn't president. But there was not national outrage, right? I mean, the whole country is not on board with this direct democracy garbage. They're trying to indoctrinate more and more kids to go that route, but it doesn't exist. You know, only Democrat, blue, rabid cities protested, not the rest of the country. But the, the reason we have this, this republic, representative republic, 
is to protect the rights of smaller communities. And it's funny because it's ironic if you look at the Democratic Party. They always claim to be representing those without voices, right? The minority communities. Whether it's black or Latino or LGBTQ plus alphabet alphabet group. You know, they're always giving voice to those underrepresented, right? They have rights too, and we need to represent them. But that's precisely what our representative republic is intended to do. It's intended to give people who are farmers in Iowa a voice to represent the minority communities that aren't living in Los Angeles or New York City. But the Democrats don't want it. Do you see what frauds the Democrats are? Out of one side of their mouth, they say they represent the little guy. They want to make sure that 1% of the population has representation. But when it comes to voting and who's president and policies in this country, they don't want these smaller groups in rural America to have any voice whatsoever. It's such a sham. The Democrats are such a sham operation. But anyway, prepare yourselves this week. Uh, I would recommend not even watching the news, honestly. I, I, I'd tune out this, this crap. Um, it's going to be a bunch of political theater. Go see Top Gun 2 instead if you haven't already. I haven't seen it. I've been told by so many friends that I have to go see it. It's a great feel-good uh, story. And, uh, and I, will, I intend to do that hopefully this Friday, as a matter of fact. But um, it's great to be back with you. God bless you all. And as we say, until next time.